one of the botanicals. The main botanicals come from my olive grove back in Italy. That sounds so romantic. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Especially in Puglia where they make so much olive oil. And the best. Hello and welcome to Best Sips Worldwide. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, an American travel writer living in London. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by the history of cocktails ever since. Through the years, I've been lucky enough to sip some of the best made by the best. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let me introduce you to the movers and shakers of the world's most famous watering holes. His title may be head sommelier, but don't assume Vittorio Gentile knows only about wine. Vittorio's journey has taken him from Italy to France to Russia and back to Italy again, all within London. And now, at Theo Randall's restaurant at the Intercontinental Park Lane, he's busy concocting drinks based on Italian political movements. He sits down with me to explain how he came up with that idea. In 2014, I arrived from another restaurant called uh, French restaurant, French background. I was there for another couple of years. uh, The name is La Petite Maison, a famous restaurant all around the world, great place where there's a lot of things going on. So many over there, so 100% on wine, very little about other drinks. Before that, I was in Novikov, in Green Park, at the opening uh, five years ago. Almost. Uh, great team, great uh, experience, 20 plus sommelier in the team. I mean, it was two football teams. That's a lot. That's a lot, but we were handling basically three restaurants, two restaurants and one lounge bar. And the volume of wine, and especially fine wine, was incredible. When I think about my trial shift, I remember first table, table of young guys opening a magnum of. Barbaresco Gaia, which is worth roughly thousand pounds, and after that another bottle of a couple of thousand, just washing as glass of water. I mean, it was okay. This isn't a place where I want to be <laughs> if I need to learn. Before that, I mean, that's well, basically I'm just arrived in London and start working in a small place called Il Barretto in Merlebon. Il Barretto means little bar, and as it is, I mean, it was beautiful lounge bar on. On the ground floor, but in the basement, with this very uh, fast-moving vibe, uh, nice, buzzy restaurant. Where actually I start my career in the, in the hospitality and in hospitality and with the wine. Was that the first place you came in, when you moved to London yes, to the yes, UK for yes. the first time? Almost six years ago. Uh-huh. Yes. So only six years you've been in London, and you are obviously you're Italian. Italian from the south of Italy, from mm-hmm. Puglia, southeast, deep southeast. Uh, please full of sun, full of warmth, full of uh, life, and you are asking, why? You move, in, you move to London. <laughs> I wasn't going, but yes. <laughs> Let's say, right? that's what everybody is asking for. Uh, yeah, I mean. But what brought you here? Why did you Well, we said, me and my, my, at the time, girlfriend, now my wife, we said, okay, you know what, let's go in London, let's say six months, just to you know improve the language, have an experience, and then let's go back. Were you, in, uh, in a, were you living in a city? Well, were you living in Bari? Uh, no, Bari. Uh, no. Was, uh, my original uh, town is Manfredonia, which is in the north of the region. 60,000 uh, people living in there. 
and then I lead for small, small. Eight. Yeah. For me, it was good. <laughs> not small, not, not big, but it was a good. Uh, then I moved to for five years studying economy in uh, Pescara, which is much bigger town, a little more northern in the coast, uh, Abruzzo. Abruzzo. Still, Sorry, still Abruzzo. Abruzzo. Yeah, I mean, from from far away, it seems very close. <laughs> and yeah, then. So you were studying economy. 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 And, and were you doing this on the side, drinking on the side? I was doing completely different things. I was uh, more with music, so uh, DJing, radio show, uh, editing, and all this marketing, all these kind of things. So we decided to move in London to have an experience and. You know, looking around, looking on the website, okay, before moving, okay, let's plan, let's see which kind of position are there. Were you I, looking for jobs in economy or in economics or Well, I started I start, yeah, start yeah. just typing, okay, Italian, you know, as everybody, Italian economy, vacancy, whatever. <laughs> right. And there were a lot of positions in the hospitality or hospitality related they were looking for microlegroom, curriculum, and knowledge about wine and drinks. Okay. And then, you know, it's that moment that you discover, mm, I'm Italian, I don't know about almost anything about Italian wines and drinks, and this is a shame. So, it was the trigger, it was a kind of lamp uh, flashing on the side. I've been my whole life, but why don't I know anything about it? Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so, right, starting as a curious person, start you know, questioning my head so many at the time, I start studying, so... This is when you were at Il Barretto. Il Barretto. Mm-hmm. After, like, after, after, yes, three weeks, a month, the guy said, okay, they had someone here at the time. You know what? Well, rather than just making questions, just join my team and let's, oh, let's start lucky. working on it. And doing sommelier, learning sommelier, it's the best place to learn. And how to learn is drinking and tasting every day. So you can open and taste it and experiment and talk with the people. At the same time, give you a big flexibility to everyday routine. Every table could be different, the same, uh, two, t- two tables having the same food may order or ask for, they may have different tastes, so you have to be flexible with all your wines and offer them something appropriate to their taste, not how, your. How long do you think it took you to be comfortable with asking or directing people to what they should order? Well, a couple of months start to be, I mean, there was a very small wine list, so you get quite confident with it. Okay. Especially if you start reading, if you're brand new in the, the things, your the mind is fresh. I was quite confident. But then I decided, I would start to be bored over there. So I decided to move. There's a big place called Novikov. And there were, I said, oh, wow, basically, I don't know anything yet. So <laughs> let's study. About how many wines were on that wine list? And now they are about 1,500, something like that. I mean, back in the days, it was like half of it, but it was already, I mean, 700 beans is quite That's a lot. pretty big anyway. It's quite a lot for a business that runs, well, good thousand people every day. And there is a lot of volume, a lot of organization behind every service. I mean, there is a lot of practical skill you have to learn. And a lot of, um, you deal basically with people from everywhere in the world. So starting to know the tasting, what they like, what they don't, uh, start to be into the drinks uh, area because mm-hmm. you approach the table as a first, and so you have to make recommendation as a aperitif for aperitif, liquor, digestive. But you had to all do that as well. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. and was that your first, you know, kind toe of, into spirits? Kind of, yes. Uh-huh. Kind of moving and developing. Certain point, I decide, okay, now I need to focus on French wine, so I move to La Petite Maison. 
So you were only specializing in Italian wine before that? Yes, let's say that. I mean, Novikov has a big wine list uh-huh. from all wines from all around the world. But then I decided, okay, we you must know the your basics first, and then move to the broader picture, so mm-hmm. bigger picture. So let's go in. Uh, let's study French, even though I don't speak any French. <laughs> and uh, so let's start moving and opening some French bottle wines, good wines, about a lot of good, a lot of it. Uh, so we start. I start in La Petite Maison. After a couple of years, I got a call. Listen, we have a position as head sommelier in Fiorando. Please, come over, have a talk, let's shot. So you were coming back to Italy after France? After France, right. I came back to Italy. <laughs> and as an Italian that goes a lot around eat, eating Italian food in London, mm. I, was, I got my expectation, I built up my expectation. So when they invited me for a dinner, I was, okay, it would be good Italian, maybe quite fancy decoration, but nothing particular, especially if it's an Englishman cooking, not seriously. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, when we walk out, me and my wife, we were so pissed off because an Englishman could cook better than an Italian in London. So, okay, I need to work with this guy. Have you told Theo Randall that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, think <laughs> I mentioned it. Yeah, huh? I told him. No, but I love what it. What a great man. compliment. No, it's true. It's true. Uh, I mean, after all, Italian food, it's all about ingredients and express... The ingredients that we have fresh every day, every season, and put them in, in, in place on a plate. Uh, and that's what Theo is a great in doing. I mean, he knows that what's good, what's fresh now, has a good connection with all the suppliers, and have always the better products. I mean, I'm going to sound like a snob, but um, it, having had bad experiences with risotto... I'm lucky enough to go to Italy a lot. So I just reserve my risotto eating mm-hmm. for Italy. Okay. So now I think I'm going to have to try you the risotto. You must. Because if an Italian says that, then I know you I'm going to have to. You All must. Right, especially the pasta. You, if, I mean, if you come here, you must try the pasta. It's, I don't know. It's like coming in London and having a picture with a big man. It's the same. and uh-huh. it's, You cannot miss it. So, started working here two years ago. But still only Somalia, right? Only still, Somalia. So yeah, not only. Stepping here, yeah. uh, the job role, the job is looking after all the drinks. So I need, okay, now I need to start study even cocktails, and drinks, and things like that. And there's a lovely bar in the restaurant. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful bar, beautiful lunch area. We just refurbished last year for the 10th year of Tiranda Lind at the Intercontinental. We had our uh, my sommelier table at the bar and uh, cocktail wise I always had I mean the team is very small uh, it's myself my assistant the two bartenders I always had good bartenders and always kind of I give an idea and that way start developing this idea so we start in the beginning to okay people is looking for a fruity martini okay let's make our fruity martini let's do our, our own infusions Let's make our own products. Uh, let's start like this. And then, great success. And then, you know, time passed. Bartender as well is a very fast-moving uh, role. A lot of people come in and out. Uh, okay, now we are done with the uh, fruity infusion. What's happening in a barrel when you have uh, spirits, with some uh, other ingredients and the time and the oxygen coming in and out 
very interested to, to, to experiment. So we brought this little barrel, five liters, and we set up an experiment, our barrel aging experiment. How, so what's actually happening in the little barrel? And uh, we start making cocktails, of course, Negroni, right. first of all. We move to uh, Martinez after that. Uh, martini, it's a particular martini, it's a martini perfect made with um, all Italian products, Italian gin and two Italians uh, vermouth. It's a kind of perfect, so with a sweet and um, a sweet and dry vermouth, half and half, old style martini. Uh, then we came up with uh, Manhattan, of course, and then Negroni was finished, so we started again with Negroni. So we started numbering every single cocktail because as a legacy, and uh, every cocktail left something into the bottle and got something from the bottle as well. So every cocktail was never the same, even though I used exactly the same quantities. What kind of barrels were you using? We were using uh, it's a French bottle. It's uh, it was brand new, and um, it's a five liter bottle. Good batch, good quantity. So were they it's, new before? I mean, they were new. They were, they were new. new. They were new. Then we were tasting uh, basically every two, three days okay. to see okay when I like it, when I stop the the thing. In the beginning, two weeks, cocktail done. Uh, the oak was very pronounced. Of now course. up to the last one of the You're last. You're actually creating bourbon. <laughs> yeah, almost. Well, it was in the end it was very interesting. Interesting, and one of the last experiments before then I started again with the barrels with a Vesper. I said, okay, after the Vesper was ninth inside the barrel. Okay. So what were the ingredients that you put in the barrel? I I got all the ingredients before that. I mean, I've got Campari, I've got uh, Maraschino, I've got uh, vermouths, all kinds of vermouths. I've got jeans, I've got whiskies, everything. Everything in the barrel. So then you empty the barrel. The barrel got so much flavors. Right. So we said, okay, you know what? I got some spur gin, I got some spur vodka. Let's put everything in the bottle, let's keep it there. Let's do our best. And, uh, well. So, how long did you keep it in the barrel? One year. Oh boy. We kept the best one year in the bottle, and the color is incredible. After one year, is incredible. It's almost purple, it's almost as a red wine in color, and it's so smooth. Uh-huh. So smooth. We lost a lot. It's the share, the angel share. Uh, took a lot. Kind of a good. One quarter oh, of the world, uh, world quantity, but in the end, that's what's it's great. And then we said, okay, we got our Vesper, we need something else. What is Italian uh, drinks culture about? Well, it, it's almost all about bitter liquors and vermouth. Mm-hmm. So, in the same time, we, during the reopening of the restaurant last year, we uh, we start, okay, I, we, I want to have a good vermouth list. Of course, mainly Italian. So this called old small producer. But I wasn't that happy. I mean, I want to make my own vermouth. So that's here we come we come up with our own recipe for our own vermouth. Uh, starting with starting with, with what wine? Yes, I mean it was uh, white wine uh, as a base, of course. Uh-huh. And then we got all the different botanicals. Uh, one one of the botanicals. The main botanicals come from my olive grove. Back in Italy. That sounds so romantic. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Especially in Puglia, where they make so much olive oil. And the best. Uh, but don't say this to He Tuscany. says with pride. <laughs> <laughs> we and won't tell the Tuscans. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and so that, well, 
we had, did so, an extraction and blend everything together, right, put so in the a bottle. Wine with the, 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 the bottle, all the, 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 the essences now uh-huh. extract uh, from, the, from the different botanicals. We did our blend, put it in a bottle, kept it for a good five months, and then we release it. So basically the Vesper now is a combination of all this. I got put just a little spoon of our home vermouth in the Vesper. Just it must be so hard to not want to try it. Like every yeah, <laughs> every month to try a little. So you, have to, you have to know, okay, is that... You have to like tie your hands behind your back. <laughs> That's different because everybody stepping in the bar and the first thing they see is, is actually uh, the bottles. So everybody wants to taste. No, there's nothing inside. I think you have to tell them. I start putting calls just to pretend not people, not, nobody knows. It's just for show. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, that's, uh, yeah, we just um, bottled the Vesper, the Vesper, the, the Vesper in August, the Vermouth in October. The same time we came up with another idea for the cocktails. Uh, quite bored to use classic cocktails. I just did my homework and came up on the Futurism movement in Italy and along with it the Polybibite, which is a kind what of translation, it? rough translation of cocktails, is multi uh, drinks. Did you say multi bibite or poly? Poly. Poly bibite. Bibite, uh-huh. which means drink. Yes. Uh-huh. And basically, long story should make a long story short, they will start, start mixing Italian ingredients, uh, Italian spirits, grappa first of all. Uh, or Italian brandies, or only rum, not other spirits, because rum due to the colonies that we used to have or pretend to have uh, before the Second World War, and wines, vermouth, bitter liquor, so it was perfect for what I was looking for. And the idea of the polybibita is to recreate or um, switch on certain kind of emotions into people drinking it. So they were polybibita to, you know, have a great night, Probably, uh, some polybibi that were made to uh, make you, uh, lead you to, to the bed, to make you sleep better. Others were for decision making, oh, this kind oh. of thing, it was beautiful, it's, there's a lot to read about. Is this about. up and down Italy that it's happening? It's, it's something oh. happening in the, in the 20s, it's not back, it's not back, there are different oh, bartenders it, it, starting picking up From the again. 20s? From the 20s. And this Do they have the original um, there's The beauty recipes. of things, there's no... You have the ingredients, but there's no real recipe because okay. the fact to be creative with the, with the, with the, with the, the quantities they were part of, the, of it. I mean, the futurism was all about um, progression and right. uh, keep, uh, give a break with the, with the past. So whatever comes as a new... It's something good to embrace. Mm-hmm. So no recipe, just do what you like, and that was part of it. You know, we always think of classic cocktails as something that's American. Yes. And this was happening. I mean, futurism was was the twenties, right? Yes. 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 So that was in the when, when, as well. when in uh, the states there were the prohibitionists, in Italy we were. Uh, you were making starting. holy bibita. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot, a lot, a lot to read uh-huh. about, and uh, it's very interesting stories about. I mean, dinner starting all. All the way around. I mean, starting from the coffees and go back to the aperitif, or eating with the hands, and all the stories about mm-hmm. drinks were quite fascinating. So we came up with our 15 different cocktails that we turned quite a lot in our uh, drink list, just to give something different every time to our guests, following a kind of 
uh, process. So doing our own syrups, uh, infuse our own uh, spirits, all these these sort of things with a lot of usage of classic Italian bitters or liqueurs. Like How many of the drinks are based on the the polivibita? Polivibita are twelve. They're twelve. They're twelve. Uh-huh. They're twelve. The twelve, but seven and seven always on uh, the drink list. The other five are moving. No, uh-huh. they're coming in, coming out, just to change it every year. Then I mean, London is a, is a big town, and you can really eat and drink different things, and uh, every day and or every night. And uh, guests, people are expecting to get something new every time. So this is a is a way to keep our list always fresh and offer something different all the time. And as a sommelier serving cocktails, do you feel that certain cocktails go with certain uh, Food? uh, foods? Yes, definitely. Definitely. We actually, little anticipation, we are working on, uh, this might be strange talking about cocktail, uh, mention about not alcoholic drinks. We are working on a not alcoholic drinks pairing with a tasting menu. So try to uh, come up with anyway a cocktail of drinks, a mix of ingredients that actually works with the food that you're having. That's very interesting. Actually, I mean because we are working with a lot of vermouth, for instance, and we are doing pairing already with vermouth with cheese or dessert. And people are loving it. And vermouth are so underrated still. It's part wine, part is botanicals, and you've got all different flavors and all different structures and sweetness and acidity as the food you're having in front of you. If you know your uh, your wines or your vermouth, you can really offer a better experience to your guest and make everybody feel different and special somehow. So that's definitely, yes, definitely you can uh, do some pairing with cocktails and food, yes. Well, you've made me really thirsty. <laughs> well, shall we try something? Else? I don't know if you should make me a drink now. Yeah. <laughs> one of your polybibita. Yes, you did the polybibita with Vesper. All right, it took well, one year to make. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm preparing since last year, so. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming. It was a pleasure. I want to thank Vittorio for making me a limoncello martini that made me scream for more. I can't wait to go back to try the other 11 drinks based on Poli Bibita. Our next guest, Ali Reynolds, has so many titles he's practically king of the cocktail world. I got the chance to sit down with him to discover the steps he took before winning the big one, the Diageo Reserve World Class UK Bartender of the Year. Until next time, bottoms up. For more information and links to everything you've heard about, plus a bit more, please visit bestbitsworldwide.com. Thanks for listening to Best Sips Worldwide, a spin-off of Best Bits Worldwide. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and never drink and drive. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. You'll find me at the bar. <laughs>